Imagine the impact of an eco-friendly alternative to flame cremation and burial for pets. It's called aquamation. Aquamation is a gentle, environmentally friendly method of disposition for our pets that uses water instead of fire to return a pet back to Mother Nature. We are Compassionate Care Pet Aquamation, and we welcome you to our podcast titled The Last Walk, serving the New York City metro area and beyond. Our podcast discusses all aspects of pet aftercare and provides direction for families that are facing the end of life for their pet. We also discuss the practice of veterinary medicine with some of the best doctors, hospitals, and boutique clinics here in New York. For more detailed information on the amazing eco-friendly benefits of aquamation, please find our website at www.cca.pet. Welcome to our podcast. Welcome to The Last Walk, a podcast brought to you by Compassionate Care Pet Aquamation, where we discuss pet aftercare and provide direction for families at end of life. We also discuss the practice of veterinary medicine with some of the best doctors in New York. I'm your host, Alan Hillsberg, and today on the show, we're excited to have Dr. Meg Valentino. Dr. Valentino has advanced professional training in both veterinary medicine and public health. And today, Dr. Valentino is going to share her expertise on pet euthanasia and her experiences practicing in-home euthanasia with the goal of providing practical advice for families that may be experiencing an end-of-life situation for their pets. Dr. Valentino, welcome to The Last Walk. Hi, thank you, Alan. I'm glad to be here. Dr. Meg, I have an amazing bio on you that's both solid and impressive. I believe most of the questions I'm going to ask you today will cover your spectacular bio. But either way, our listeners will get a transcript of today's in-home euthanasia podcast, along with a transcript of your biography. I think our readers should have the opportunity to read your bio. So I'm glad to provide that for them. So Dr. May, tell us a bit about your background. Have you always wanted to be a veterinarian? I grew up here on Long Island and I went to undergrad at University of Delaware, pre-vet animal science major. I was really good at math and science and I thought in my mind I would rather work with animal patients as compared to human patients. And then I eventually went into University of Minnesota Veterinary College. At that time, I was really interested in like infectious disease and in public health. And University of Minnesota was in an urban setting and that really appealed to me. And then when I finished with that, I went to work with the Army as a captain in the Army Veterinary Corps. My first duty station was in Atlanta. And I was basically working there and completed my tour of duty. And then I was working in animal clinics in Georgia. And then I came up back to Long Island for some family reasons recently. So I've been here ever since. And you joined the U.S. Army Reserves as a civil affairs specialist. Is that correct? Yes, yes. So that was basically to help people with humanitarian issues in different countries. It was a very interesting experience. Did you always want to be a veterinarian? Was that something that was a goal in life since you were a child? Or was that something that you've grown interested in once you've reached college? It was basically when I was doing a lot of soul searching in terms of trying to determine what do I want to do with my life. And I was really good, like I said, with math and science. And that seemed like, okay, well, I like biology and I like understanding how life systems work. 
thinking this would be a good fit. And I think I was more inclined with like family pets and so forth to like branch towards animals as opposed to like dealing with people medicine. Although if you really think about it, there is a lot of overlap in terms of we're all mammals, we're all animals, so to speak. And so that's where I kind of ended up. So once you graduated, I guess you migrated back to New York. Where did you start your career? So I did my internship on Long Island at Long Island Veterinary Specialists. And that was in 2007, graduated 2008. And then I went back down to Atlanta, Georgia to fulfill my active duty requirement because the army had given me a scholarship program to help pay for veterinary school. And so when I graduated from veterinary school, I took a year off to do my internship at Long Island Veterinary Specialist. And then I went down to Atlanta, Georgia to work with the Army from that standpoint. Wow. I mean, you're talking about 2007, 15 years ago. It looks like you just graduated from veterinary school. When I look at you, you don't look like you've had so many years behind you. It's amazing. We pull out the gray hairs, right? (laughs) (laughs) So euthanasia is a niche service within the veterinary care. And we can all agree it's not for everyone. It takes a certain strength and personality to dedicate your time to this field. What appealed to you or attracted you to this area of veterinary care? I like helping people. It's kind of ironic because I wanted to go into animal medicine versus people medicine. But at the end of the day, I really want to help people and their families. And their animal is such an integral part of their family. We have our pets from basically a long, long time. Some people have had their pets longer than they know their spouses or their kids. 12, 15, 17 years. That's a really long time. And that's a very long and profound relationship. And when you have that kind of relationship, it means a lot to everybody in the family. It means a lot to the spouse. It means a lot to the kids who all they've known is that particular puppy or kitten. And as it grew and all those life experiences that they've experienced, when you get to the point where that animal is no longer able to have a good quality of life, it's helpful. And I find it very rewarding to be able to honor that with dignity and respect and allowing that animal to pass peacefully with its family as best as we can basically to honor that. And that's why I think humane euthanasia at home as opposed to the veterinary clinic or wherever you have to do it is something that we need to honor as a relationship that has reached this endpoint in that phase. And now we're going on to the next step, transitioning to not having the animal there anymore, but it's still part of who you are as a family and who you are as a person and who you are remembering all those memories. So that's something that's I think is really important that I want to be part of to treasure, basically. Yeah, I mean, as a pet crematory, we see pets anywhere from a decade to two decades, depending on the type of pet it is that come through our doors and There's no doubt that in many cases, families love their pets more than they love their spouse. It's very difficult to lose a pet, especially, you know, the loyalty and love that these pets give. It's very, very difficult for a lot of people to go through the loss of the pet. And especially when I think about what you do, you're transitioning that pet from life to afterlife. They're leaving this world and it's not for everyone takes a certain strength and personality to dedicate your time to this field. And I'm glad that you're doing it because the feedback I get from your services has always been 
five-star and top-notch. Can you share your approach in helping a family? So a lot of what that whole process is, is understanding the whole situation. Because when we get to the point where people are wondering about whether they should euthanize their pet, their pet is sick and they're not really sure what to do, it's really important that they're able to talk with professionals who can help discuss that and kind of work through that whole issue. So right now I work with Lap of Love, but I also work in a regular clinic full time, but just basically figuring out what's going on and figuring out what the whole story is, because there's a lot of things that we can do in veterinary medicine to help situations and to make that period palliatively, even if we can't fix something, maybe we can make it more comfortable. There's lots of things that can be done to help in that situation. And having that conversation to basically figure out what we can do in the meantime can be really, really helpful. But in some cases, we've gone through all that and we get to a point where maybe there isn't much more we can do or we get to the point where we really have to consider humane euthanasia. And with Lap of Love, there's a very empathetic and wonderful support center that people will talk with the whole situation and determine if this is the right time or they can go back to their regular vet or have reevaluations, try different things palliatively, and then consider setting up an appointment if they think it really is time or just to be on the safe side in case they need that. And then once that happens and I see the appointment on my schedule, I will send them a consent form and then I'll also go over with them over the phone ahead of time to let them know where I am en route in terms of travel expectations and also just to get a sense again of what's reaffirm what's going on overall. And then when I get there, I'll also look at their pet and just kind of reaffirm what's going on to determine in terms of the big picture, what's the best option in this case. In some cases, not too often, but sometimes there may be more we can do to help allow that pet to live a little bit longer. In some cases, it really is the best decision to let them pass. And then when I'm there and we decide with the family that the humane euthanasia is the best option, I usually will give a medication under the skin. It's like a small little needle and it has basically an analgesic or a pain medicine as well as a medicine will help them get to sleep, basically to the point of anesthesia. It'll take almost instantaneously or may take a few minutes, just depends what's going on. And then we let them get to the point where they're really, really sleepy to the point of euphoria, just feeling just wonderful with these drugs. And then when we feel that they are completely asleep and completely unaware of what's going on from a cognitive sense, we'll give them their angel medicine to help them to pass. And that's basically an overdose of barbiturate that will help to stop their breathing and stop their heart rate. But basically by that point, they are in a state of euphoria and just feeling completely wonderful. So they'll just pass very, very peacefully. It's probably the most peaceful way to pass or transition from this earth that I could think of. And then once they've passed, we'll allow the family some time so we can just do some privacy and you can just be with your loved one. And I'll get my basket and the stretcher and then we can bring the pet to the car so we can bring him or her to the crematory for their last journey. So when you arrive at a family's home, you discuss the actual step-by-step procedure that you just mentioned involved in putting a pet down, or do you explain it as you go, or both? 
Well, both, because it's a very emotionally charged situation. It's really, really hard when you're actually experiencing your pet because some people have had other pets and they've gone and gone through this before. Some people haven't. And every pet is a little bit different in terms of what's going on with them. So there really isn't a right or wrong answer in terms of what to do. And a lot of families just need some help understanding what's going on so we can all feel at ease to make sure we're doing the best thing for our loved one. And so I'll always go over that. And there may be some family members who maybe have not experienced euthanasia in the past and may not be as familiar with the whole process. And it's helpful to just kind of go over everything. This is what we're going to do. It's going to be okay. Our pet is going to just kind of relax and just going to kind of quiet. And then eventually we'll just be kind of asleep and totally in the state of being on cloud nine and just totally at ease with everything, basically. And if we reiterate that often enough, you know, that will help us all feel more comfortable and at ease with the process because we know that our loved one is being taken care of and is not going to experience any sort of pain, any sort of discomfort anymore. They'll just kind of ease out of, transition out of this life very, very peacefully. I love the terms that you use, the state of euphoria and angel medicine. It's just very appealing when you think about it in those terms for this type of procedure. And I know that there are certain things that people do and when it comes to dogs, especially family members are patting the dog's face, telling their pet how much they love them. And some of them take some Carvel vanilla ice cream and a little tablespoon, a teaspoon, mm-hmm. and let the dog lick it if he's so inclined to do so. And my God, that's all a dog wants. He just wants love. Filling his pet's hand, caressing his face, hearing his own voice and licking some vanilla ice cream. What a way to go. I wish I could go that way when the time comes. But it sounds very humane and it sounds a lot better than what people actually think about when they're waiting for you to come and for you to arrive. It must be very, very stressful for them. In terms of like ice cream and things like that. So in preparation for my arrival, I find it's very helpful for people to have like ice cream or something really, really yummy that their pet can potentially eat or lick. When I give them their medicine before the angel medicine, it's a tiny little needle, but it's nice to have that little distraction. So if they have something really yummy, in some cases, you know, if they're really not eating or really nauseous, they're not going to take anything no matter what you offer them. But in some cases, even though they're feeling very poorly, some animals will still appreciate that last morsel of something really, really yummy. And that can be very helpful for everybody to watch them enjoy something, even like chocolate ice cream that they're not supposed to have as their last memory, so to speak. These are the things you discuss with the family to prepare for your arrival that might make the experience easier for the family and easier for you and easier for the pet. Absolutely. Absolutely. Finally, how long does the procedure take from the moment you walk in the door? I assume it depends on so many variables, but is there a idea of expectation in terms of length of time for the procedure? Sure. So it does depend on what's going on in terms of how sick the animal is and the whole picture. But generally, it's between like half an hour, 45 minutes between the time I get there. In some cases, depending on how the angel medicine is absorbed, it could take a little bit longer. Usually, I'll try to give the angel medicine as an intravenous injection, so in a vein, sometimes because of the medicine that we give before that, 
or what's going on or just their age, et cetera. It might be difficult to be able to have venous access. So if we give it in a different spot, it kind of depends on how the body absorbs it. It can be instantaneous. In some cases, the longest it would take would be up to 20 minutes. But at that point, they're going to be in that state of euphoria. So they're just feeling wonderful. They're not feeling anything adverse. So it's just a function of us just kind of waiting for their time for us to let them to pass their medicine. Wow. Any situations you have experienced or encountered that stand out that we can share with our audience? I've had a lot of families who have really created an elaborate kind of goodbye to their pet. So some have had incense or candles or kind of like a little altar kind of thing, but something really elaborate so that you knew how important their pet was to them. And I've also had lots of families who elected to go outside with their pets because they really enjoyed being outside. And in those cases, it happened to be a very nice day. And then we're able to go outside and to let their pet pass in the sunshine and just being around the grass. And there's been a lot of families in which the children have written messages to their pets, little letters to their dog that they grew up with, or made little bracelets, things like that, or put flowers around. That's just a wonderful way of saying goodbye to an animal that has given us all their love, all their loyalty, all of their dedication for all those years. And we have all those memories and we're just honoring that bond as they transition. A lot of families after euthanasia bring their pets to us and we take those toys, we put them by the vessel. We surround the vessel with those notes and those letters and those toys and those meaningful items that the pet loved and the families wanted to provide to us. We tried to make it as easy as possible, as you are doing as well for the families. That's awesome. Finally, how can one connect with you? Would they call Lap of Love directly to set up an appointment in Nassau County? Yep. So calling Lap of Love would be a great start. I only work like every other Wednesday, every other Saturday. So there are lots of instances where I may not be available. There are other doctors, Dr. Heather and Dr. Christine, Dr. Kelly, who are wonderful, wonderful vets as well who work with Lap of Love. But Lap of Love is great in terms of we just really want to help people in that situation and they can offer recommendations to other services if Lap of Love doesn't have anyone available. And at the very least, you know, if your pet is experiencing like an emergency where we just don't feel like it's not fair for them to wait. You could always take them to your regular vet or to an emergency hospital. We try to avoid that if we can, but there are those situations where the unexpected happens and then we don't want them to wait. But Lap of Love is a great resource. And there are also some other in-home euthanasia services that can do a really great job too as well to help in that situation. Dr. Meg, are there any questions I might have missed or anything you would want to add that I didn't cover? Not that I can think of. I think it was pretty comprehensive. I think so as well. I think families will get a lot out of this. And Compassionate Care Pet Acclimation has a quality of life scorecard that helps families objectively assess when to consider euthanasia. In short, quality of life applies not only to the pet, it applies to the family as well. And you can download our quality of life scorecard for free at the Compassionate Care Acclimation website, which is www.cca.pet at any time. That brings us to the end of this episode. 
Thanks to Dr. Meg Valentino for joining us during our discussion on in-home euthanasia. We hope the value brought to our audience by the Compassionate Care Pet Acclimation team was beneficial to you. As always, thank you for listening to The Last Walk. And again, thank you, doctor, for joining us today. Thank you, Alan.